Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What's up, Rangers fans? Thank you guys all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Rangers Review. Myself, Wardy. You guys know me, Wardy NYM, covering the New York Mets usually, along with here on the Hockey Channel Rangers Review on YouTube. And my beloved co-host, as always, is Statboy Steven. Guys, we have a plethora of topics to get into today as we're getting closer and closer to the Rangers season beginning with preseason games in a couple weeks. That's going to be exciting. Steven will be in attendance as we spoke just off air. There's a good chance that I will be now. So we'll be deep diving that further. But guys, we have some updates. The big update that you guys have known over the past week that relate to the party, unfortunately. Um, and that is regarding Niels Lundqvist. <laughs> what would you know? Another upset Rangers prospect, Stephen. We're going to be deep diving who's potentially at fault here. Is it one over the other? Is it equal? Because again, this isn't the first rodeo for the Rangers since they started their rebuild slash retool with drafting guys into top rounds and not necessarily panning out in the organization. We have a key update regarding Henrik Lundqvist that we're going to start off the show with and then gain into Steven's normal prospect reports, updates, you know, looking at the World Junior Championships and how that finished, of course, regarding our good friend on the channel, Brennan Othman, and yes, Alexi Lafreniere, his next contract. How is that going to look? Is Tim Stutzel's contract something that we can look at in a potential comparison? How is that going to set the guidelines for the Rangers and evaluating Laffey's next and hopefully long-term deal in the organization? And Keandre Miller, a quick update on him. Our thoughts on how he's going to be looking this upcoming season. Why both Steven and myself are beyond ecstatic to see what he's going to bring for the Rangers here in another year in NYC. But Steven... Before we get rolling, before we get into anything, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, good. Uh, another day closer to Rangers hockey. So um, I did see my favorite football team beat another Rangers team uh, yesterday. Or was it, what day is today? Thursday. Yeah, yesterday. Ajax beat the Glasgow Rangers 4 nothing. So there you go. That'll, that'll be the only time I root against the Rangers. Um <laughs> So yeah, um, it's nice. September is here. September is here. Sports are picking up. You know, football season in Europe is starting. We'll have American football starting. I think this weekend with regular season games. Yeah, football um, starts today. Rams Bills Thursday yeah. night football. Yeah, we're we're itching etching closer and closer to uh, training camp for NHL teams. Um, we're seeing some teams leak slash announce who their jersey sponsors are going to be this upcoming season yeah let, let's just let me stop you right there what, what's your take on the jersey sponsors against someone that watches european hockey you're you're used to it you, you so is this something where does it phase you at all or are you kind of just like you know whatever's best for the team look um ahl teams have had jersey uh, sponsor patches on jerseys for what, 20 years now yeah um Look, I'd, it's not as big a deal as some fans make it out to be, although I understand their frustration. But we heard the same thing about helmet sponsors, and two months into the season, nobody cared. Uh, back in the early 90s, people complained about ads on the boards. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> For me, that's – but again, I'm a younger fan that isn't used to watching a game without ads on boards. So I guess yeah. it just comes with you know, um, the level of fandom you have. To me, watching European hockey 
the sponsors are kind of part of the jersey. They get uh, a little obnoxious though, right? Because I've seen some leagues where it's like they're covered. Yeah, I mean, up. but but again, that's because you're not used to it. You know, when I was yeah. a kid, I watched football or soccer, and there was a jersey sponsor, and then in the in the 90s, some leagues added a second one or a shoulder patch or whatever. Yeah, soccer's different, but I'm used to it with soccer. Yeah, you know? yeah. But look, in hockey, when I say the sponsorship patches are part of the jersey. I can usually tell by the sponsorship patches what season a jersey is from. Yeah. So it it, it helps define an era of a jersey, so to speak. That that's um, true. Yeah, I know that you're such a jersey connoisseur as is. So I know that like you when you see and, a certain ad, you're like, oh, this yeah. only happened during this time frame. So now I know for the sake of wanting to yeah. buy a jersey too, kind of helps you go and find yeah. it. Yeah, for instance, this player played for this team for two seasons, but only the first season he was there, they had this sponsorship on the right sleeve. Yeah. So then you can kind of make out what season the jersey's from. But look, I like I said, I understand the frustration of fans, especially in North America, where it's not a normal thing. And NBA teams started introducing it a couple of years ago. I think the Knicks have square space on their jerseys. Yes. Yep. If, if the patches are that size, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It also depends on who the sponsor is. You know, if the Rangers are going to be sponsored by uh, by Carl's Jr. or you know, some fast food chain, it's a completely different thing than if they're sponsored by Chase Bank, which, honestly, Chase Bank is already part of Rangers' identity. Chase is probably the one I most – I like to chase more – than when they had the the more Benjamin yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin Moore paints yeah, yeah. I, the chase again because you know that when you go to MSG like you yeah can't I mean it's it's so. part of the M- Madison Square Garden experience exactly chase bank yeah. in front of the in front of the the garden there's a chase bridge inside MSG yep. and the chase logo is kind of classy too you know it's not obnoxious it works in different color schemes it's not like it's uh, like the um, uh, the penguins had on their helmet, the PPG logo. Yeah. Where on their black helmet they had like this massive light blue square. No, the Chase logo blends in with the helmet, and I, I expect it to be Chase for the Rangers, and I think it's gonna blend in with the jersey too. I saw the Minnesota Wild are are selling their jerseys in the team store with the option of adding the sponsor patch. I like that. That's cool. Uh, I, I don't think if you order it from like Cool Hockey or Fanatics or like an uh, like a an, an an independent retailer, you're probably not gonna get the sponsorship patch or even that option. But seeing the Minnesota Wild do it, I expect other teams to give you that option. They won't be selling the jersey standard with the sponsorship patch. And that's um, that's a good thing because I think that's probably one of the bigger concerns for fans. Yes, you have it from the visual perspective of the guys on the ice, but like in my in my point of view chase i'm fine with and more than anything i just don't want there to be a logo that's so large and obnoxious where it really takes away the focus on the originality like the tradition Mm -hmm. of an organization doesn't matter if you're the rangers or someone else when you get to the point of having multiple and like you can't miss them then that's where it starts to get a little frustrating because again as a as a purist you know a guy that likes conformity in the sense of what i've been used to i'm not a big fan of that but i am a fan however of Again, you're given the option. And as long as you're get ordering the jersey and it's not standard that you must have that patch on that, which we'll probably get to at some point, just not yeah. now, I'm I'm okay. 
it'll be like a couple of years ago where you had the option to put the 100th NHL anniversary back yes. in jersey. Yep. You know, something like that. But look, my, I had a bigger concern in 2017 when the NHL announced that they'd be switching from Reebok to Adidas mm -hmm. because Adidas has this almost aggressive way of forcing their design. Adidas on, is done in the NHL. You know on, that, right? On sports teams. Yeah, in 2024, I think, or 2025. Yeah, but, when the contract's up. So they'll yeah. probably, I'd imagine they might go to Nike. Maybe. Oh, a Nike swoosh on a hockey jersey. That's blasphemy. Um, it might be blasphemy, but I'm used but, to it now with baseball. So I yeah, can, I can but, get it. But, but I remember Adidas, it from the 90s. Yeah, but with Adidas, when it was introduced in 2017, it, it brought me back to the early 2000s, where in the Netherlands, Ajax was Ajax Amsterdam, the famous football club, won four Champions Leagues, three in the early 70s, 71, 72, 73, and one in 1995. They're like a classic club. They've always had the same kit. You know, it's yep. it's it's a red barred like a red red in the middle and the rest is white there's nothing on the sleeves and then they switched to adidas in, in the year 2000 and they put three adidas lines red adidas lines on the sleeves and everybody hated it and that's what i was afraid of when they announced adidas in 2017 luckily that didn't happen uh but yeah look with sponsorships i understand the concerns to me it's not a problem i think it's going to give jerseys a bit of a bit more of an identity and years down the line you'll be able to identify what era a jersey is from just by looking at the sponsorship patch which i, I think is a nice touch but yeah um we'll see what it's going to be i i think it's going to be chase uh if it's not Chase, who else is it going to be? No. Can you name a brand that's that connected to the Rangers that's not Chase? To that to that magnitude, no. No. So it makes sense for it to be Chase. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the Rangers have not announced anything yet. Um, I doubt they will, they will wear the sponsorship for preseason. Um, but it, it's, it's inevitable. It's go, it was going to happen eventually. Um, we can complain about it all we want, but there's no way we can stop it from happening. And something that was always going to happen eventually is Henrik Lundqvist staying in the Rangers organization, not as only an analyst for MSG, but as we're speaking today, just broke over the past hour at the time being live here on YouTube, newly created business operations role is Henrik Lundqvist in the, in the Rangers front office. So what this role will entail for Ranger fans that are first hearing this is he's basically just going to be more in part in the entertainment, the ad, the marketing-esque part of MSG and the New York Rangers. He's going to be helping to grow and strengthen the connection with Rangers alumni, as well as continue his leading support with the Garden of Dreams Foundation. So that's great. You know, Henrik Lundqvist, just seeing him as that analyst still feels a little surreal to me, knowing that I, I can never look at Hank that way. I know mm -hmm. that's how people feel as well. For other type of analysts or broadcasters where they grew up watching these guys but hank is hank's like the first true guy for me personally that you know idolized him his entire career during his prime yeah but course, but, but now, tyler that's yeah. only because you never saw joe micheletti play exactly <laughs> not just joe micheletti i mean there's so many yeah, i mean even yeah. go from the head coach gerard Gallant. you know i didn't watch gerard Gallant play but you know he was a solid player. So yeah. yeah. So what what was what was your reaction to this role? Are you happy about it? Because I know I am. As inevitable as the jersey sponsors. I mean, this was going to happen. This yeah. this should not surprise anyone. Yeah. Uh, and and who knows exactly what 
the tip of the peak will be for Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers organization post-playing career. It feels like that this is just the start, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, to find out what's under. You know, what yeah. is going to be full-on? What is his future in this organization? I, but for now, he's an analyst, and he's continuing to build things now in a front mm-hmm. office role. That just feels like the start, if you ask yeah. me. I don't think there's anything comparable to what we've seen from previous Ranger players. Of course, there's Adam Graves, who's very involved in, yeah. you know, Gra- Graves is very stuff. involved. Yep. You know, Graves is very involved. You see Leach regularly. Uh, of course, Messier shows up at MSG. Uh, Glenn Anderson, I think, lives across the street from MSG because every time I'm at MSG, I see Glenn Anderson walking around <laughs> for some reason. Um, so certain players just, just stick around. But the magnitude, the impact that Henrik Lundqvist had on the city of New York, the Rangers as an organization, and in a, in a wider variety, the NHL as well, um, I don't think we, we've seen that with the Rangers yet. This guy will probably be the face of the Rangers long after he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, his jersey is already, already up in the rafters. Maybe not necessarily as a coach. We won't see him in a coaching capacity. But... This guy could be could be could be in any role, you know. Um, maybe not general manager, but like the face of the franchise. If there was ever a face of the franchise, it's probably this guy. And it's funny how the Rangers will have one Lundqvist sticking around, while another is surely not. That being it, Niels for the most part, mm-hmm. Mets not Mets. I'm always thinking Mets. If I don't say that at least one time in the show, I'm messing something up, right? But Rangers top prospect, I still call him a prospect. I know he had a cup of coffee with the Rangers last year, but he's still a prospect in my book. Niels Lundqvist, who I know that you have a great connection with personally, Steven. You know him well. You know his family well. Because, again, you are quite literally the uncle of every European prospect the Rangers acquire that are sent over the past couple of years. Um, But Niels, that we've seen reported over the past week, is that he looks like he's on his way out. Now, unfortunately for the Rangers' sake, they find themselves – and another situation, one a multiple that they have dealt with since the rebuild slash retool in 2017 with drafting guys the first couple rounds and not being happy, not wanting to be in this organization. And now Niels is a little bit of a different situation, still an unfortunate one, because I think that this kid has endless talent in the world. He's someone that has unbelievably high upside. Unfortunately for him, however, after gaining a decent amount of playing time last year, was not impressive enough for the likes of Gerard Gallant and this coaching staff. And when you have Braden Schneider, who, let's not forget, last offseason, Stephen, we weren't really talking about Braden too much as being a guy that would come in and solidify a role on the right side defense or on the left side, and that held true. He was kind of the one that didn't come out of nowhere but was a pleasant surprise for the Rangers. We went into last season with Niels and Zach Jones as the guys that we're most excited for, but Braden's emergence and just his dominance as being the most collected and most really looking veteran-esque young early 20-year-old dominant defender for the Rangers, and that led Niels on the outside looking in, unfortunately, and because of that reason, Niels is not satisfied in the organization. He's blocked because, again, the Rangers don't just have Niels. Uh, they have, of course, Zach Jones. you got Braden Schneider. To a lesser degree, you also have that being in Matthew Robertson. The Rangers have had a plethora of defensive options. They've done so great at drafting over the past couple of years, but they're in a logjam right now. So the upside of this situation is that 
even with the assumption that we've known that a defenseman would be part with sooner than later, we've discussed this plenty. You know, not everyone's going to fit. Push is going to come to shove at some point. Someone or multiple are going to be part with because guys are going to outplay and there just won't be a fit. Unfortunately for Neil's sake, that is the case. But for the Rangers, thankfully, this is a position that they have endless options with versus, say, what they've had struggles with at the right wing with Vitaly Krasov and his situation that's still ongoing. He's a big question mark on what he'll provide, if anything, for the Rangers this year. So, Stephen, I want to ask you, what was your initial reaction to Niels looking like he's on his way out? The Rangers have already been working the phones to get this young kid traded and out of town. And who do you put the blame on here? Because for me, you know, at, at what point, are you looking at all these situations and you realize that it's more than just it's the player's fault at this juncture? I think that's a very close minded viewpoint. I think it comes down to not only Niels, but I think it really comes down to this development staff and not keeping their prospects happy. Look, I get it. We're going to have always have fans out there that say, okay, the player, you know, he just needs to man up and play better. I understand that, but this is not the first rodeo for a Rangers team that has now continued to waste top draft picks that they themselves are making that selection. So is it their fault for not evaluating character and young players enough? Or is it something where these players are having a change of heart once they get in the organization and maybe aren't handled the way that they naturally should be or could be by opposing clubs? So again, bringing it back to you, Stephen, what is your raw take and reaction to all of this regarding Niels? Well, let me start off by saying that I love the irony that this is Rangers Review episode number 64. I'm yeah, about <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> That's a great point. I wasn't even thinking about that. Which was his number in preseason last year. Uh, look, I'm, I'm a bit torn between... Um, on the one hand, yes, I've, I've been very vocal a year ago with the Kraftsoft situation. That was already the turning point for me where I was like, this is no longer just the player's fault. You know, in in 20, was it 2018, 2017, 2018, we had Ryan Graves requesting a trade out of New York because he didn't never got a chance. When the the Rangers were playing Nick Holden and Freddie Clayson, fucking Nick I Holden. think Ryan Sproul over Ryan Graves. Ryan Sproul, yep. We we traded him for I don't know, Chris Begris, I think. Doesn't matter. He went to Colorado now, uh, then to New Jersey, became an NHL defenseman. Um, and it's look, I'm not just going to talk about players that actually turn into NHL players here because I think there's a bigger issue at play. There's a situation with Ryan Gropp, who was denied uh, a leave of absence for personal reasons and then uh, uh, refused to report to Hartford. There's a situation of Sean Day, who wanted out of Hartford so badly that he terminated his entry-level contract, which means that he had to pay back his his uh, signing bonus. And Sean Day, well, not to get on that tangent, he's a tricky one as well because, as you guys all know, he was that young, coveted defenseman that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. his brother, if I'm not mistaken, was arrested right yeah. prior to him starting his NHL career. And that really had an impact on his mindset and is something that yeah. I'm sure impacted him during his time with Hartford still. Yeah. Um, there's a situation with Robin Kovac, who uh, was involved in a uh, in a fatal car crash in Sweden where they were street racing. 
uh, and it, I'm not saying that it's all on the Rangers organization, but we can we can agree that with Robin Kovac, they they made a mistake in character assessment. Ryan Graves requesting a trade, wanting out of New York because he's log jammed. Then we have Sean Day who wants out of Hartford so badly that he terminates his contract and then signs a one-year deal with Tampa where he didn't even make up the money that he lost. He's so, still playing up good numbers. I'll give him that credit. Yeah. If you look at his but, HL numbers, he's still productive. But the thing is, the point with Sean Day is if he wanted out of Hartford and play somewhere else, he could have just asked to be loaned out to another AHL team. Yeah. It happens all the time. Sam Gagne, I think, was uh, was loaned out to the Toronto Marlies at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens. You know, if you want out of Hartford, you just ask to be loaned to another AHL team. It's possible. Now we have the situation with Leah Anderson, who had an injury in Hartford, who then requested to rehab in New York, was denied that request, then wasn't allowed to be uh, involved in team events because of his injury. He felt isolated. He was slipping into depression, requested to rehab in New York again, was denied again. Then he packed his bags and went back to Sweden because he said his mental health was more important to him than his career. Okay, again, and all these things are are individual like incidents. If you look yeah. at one of these, well, if you look at these in a vacuum, you're like, yeah, okay, can happen. You know, Ryan Graves is unhappy, a man up. You know, Sean Day wants out of Hartford, why? But if you add this all up, we're getting to the point now where we have so many issues in the last five years where I don't understand how as a fan you can still look at this and go, no, that's one hundred percent the player's fault. I'm not and saying, you, and you're and you're missing and you're missing the most recent guy aside from Niels and Vitali. Well, yeah, I was I was you getting know? there. I was getting there. I'm not saying the players are not to blame at all. The situation with Kravtsov last year, I was very clear about that. I understand the issue he had, but I did not agree with the way he handled it. He shouldn't have gone back to Russia. He should have he should have gone about it another 100% way. Agree. But that doesn't absolve the Rangers of all the blame in that situation either. You know, it's not it's not a, it's not an either or situation for me, at least. And now we have Nils Lundqvist. And with Nils Lundqvist, again, it's different because this is not a player that's disgruntled because, you know, he's lonely in Hartford or, you know, he, he feels like you know, the Rangers aren't treating him right. This is a this is a kid who thinks he's NHL ready. And I kind of agree with him. I think he's NHL ready, too. And last year. He was in Hartford while the Rangers were playing Patrick Nemeth and Libor Hayek in the NHL. Now, you go into this season, and over the summer, you see Libor Hayek getting a one-year extension. God knows why, because the guy is absolute dog shit. Libor Hayek is not an NHL-caliber defenseman. Libor Hayek is Stu Bickle with a Czech passport. That's that's just that that's how bad he is defensively. And he can play forward. Hasn't he played like at least one game? Well, on he line? cannot play defend defense, so maybe he can play forward. Because Stu Bickle but, was was the infamous playing forward and defense. So yeah, but look, and now we're in a situation where Nils Lundqvist is going into the second year of an entry level contract. He wants to play in the NHL because he wants something to negotiate with when his ELC is up. If he's going to stay in Hartford for another year, it's going to hurt him financially down the road. These guys need to need to fight for themselves. When Zach Jones was sent down last season to the Hartford Wolfpack, he was pouting. He wasn't happy either. I understand. The situation you're in, I understand. 
my issue is that the Rangers seem to be the one team in the NHL that has this either has this happen more frequently than other teams or has these issues leak to the media more than other teams have. And this is not a European thing versus North America thing. You know, the Detroit Red Wings have no problems with Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. The Toronto Maple Leafs have no issues with William Nylander, um, uh, Timothy Liljegren, Rasmus Sandin. All these European players are doing fine. Tim Stutzler in Ottawa is doing fine. This is, has nothing to do with European players versus North American players. The common denominator here is the Rangers. And let me ask you this. If, if you're in college, right, and you have to work on eight different projects, and you work with eight different people, one for each project, and all eight projects fail, and you go up to your teacher and you go, well, it's not my fault, it's the other guy's fault, in all eight cases. Is your teacher going to say, yeah, yeah, you're probably right? No. The common denominator is you. The common denominator in all these situations is the Rangers organization. And again, I'm not saying that the Rangers are 100% to blame for everything that's happening here. But can you name any team in NHL history ever that has had this many issues in this short of a span with so many first-round picks? In the public eye like this, no. No. Especially over the past five years. It's not even close. No. And I don't know what it is because I'm not close enough to the organization to really assess what's going wrong here. But I, I can definitely tell that something's not right. And are we just going to sit here and go, no, no, Rangers didn't do anything wrong as a player again. And then a year and a half from now, we're going to have the same thing with Brennan Hoffman or with, I don't know, Adam Shakora. And then we go, yeah, no, no, it's different situations. It's The Rangers are not to blame again. No, at some point as a fan base, you, you look at this and you go, this, this cannot be all on the player again. Um, the other point that I saw made on Twitter by Adam Herman is take away no, 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 the blame no, factor. No, 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 what? No. You, you just said Adam Herman. Adam Herman. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Adam Herman because he made a really solid point. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. How dare you mention that schmuck's name when we're literally having a part of today's discussion on Keandre Miller? How dare you, Stephen? Come on. I, I, just, the Come point, on. <laughs> just the point he's making, and I want to give him credit where it's due because it's a really uh, he, point. he gained nothing, but go ahead. Go ahead. Take away the blame part. Take away the fact that we're looking to see if this is the Rangers' fault or, or Lundqvist's fault. How, how can the Rangers not get more out of a young defenseman that not just broke records, but shattered records in the third best best league in the world, the Swedish Hockey League. This is a kid that broke records that not even Moritz Seider could break. And somehow the Rangers didn't get anything out of it. What they got out of it was 25 games where he was stapled to a corpse in Patrick Nemeth and then buried in the AHL for the rest of the season. And now the kid wants out. How are the Rangers not getting more out of the player he was 12 months ago? That is the real concern. You know, if we just if we just park the whole blame game for a second, how did the Rangers not utilize him more? How did the Rangers not get more out of him than 
25 games and a trade request 12 months into his NHL career. That is that is that is a concern. It, it absolutely is a concern, and it's a broken record at this point that we keep having these discussions, especially for guys that we've spent years being big fans of as they're getting closer and closer to mm-hmm. making their debut. I've mm-hmm. always been a fan of Niels. I still will, regardless of what happens with him. But before we advance further in the show, do you want to shout out New York State of Mind for the $20 donation? Thank you so much for that, my friend. I appreciate yeah, that. And, and the, the one thing I'd like to point out as well, we won't talk about it anymore because we finally had someone do it again. But this team went 30 years without one of their own draft picks hitting 60 points for them in a, in a season. Until this season, Tony Amonti was the last Rangers draft pick to hit 60 points for us. Wow. So – there has to be something in there, right? There has yeah. to be some correlation. Because if you look at the Rangers and 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 high draft picks, you can go back to guys like Manny Malhotra, Jamie Lundmark, and Pavel Brendel. And you can say, well, Pavel Brendel is a bust. And uh, Manny Malhotra is a bust. And Jamie Lundmark's a bust. Okay? At the very least, the Rangers made three bad decisions with their top 10 picks on it. At the very least, the Rangers have had a development problem that is nothing new. And our biggest concern is the slippery slope that this has been going down. And you still, we still have answers that need to be had to an extent with Capo Caco and Alexi Lacroniere. Now, their circumstances are different. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting them in the same category. The point I'm trying to make is that the Rangers are continuously proving that they have had these inconsistencies with player development. And there's no guys that you need to make sure that you develop properly than your first and second overall picks, respectively. So it's just concerning from the larger scale perception, in my opinion, my point of view, that if this continues to happen, and God forbid we do get to a point where I, I don't believe whatsoever. I, I Again, I'm hoping this never happens. But in a world where Kako and Laffy do not provide as advertised in the years going forward, it's like at that point, you know, if changes weren't made by them, we have ourselves a like beyond serious problem. And that's just the most concerning for me as a fan. That's again, someone that has been a huge, huge lover of Niels. Niels again in the AHL. He, if he played a full season in the AHL, he would have had a 40 point season. Not bad for your first year in North American hockey. I got to be honest. Vitali Krasov, he's a different situation too because Vitali, again, did not handle things properly. We can all agree, but at the same time, it doesn't all fall on him. Again, common denominator, not to take words out of your mouth, but I'm going to. It falls on the Rangers. It falls on both sides here. I am done with the notion that it's solely just on the player because if that were the case, then we would not be with this trickle-down effect that they themselves have started by drafting these kids going back to 2017. Push comes push comes to the shove at some point, and something needs to change, and it's getting exhausting having these same discussions. But is there any final statements you want to give about Niels before we get on to our next portion of the show? Yeah, so I went into this whole situation how there's, there's something wrong here, but when I first heard about Niels requesting a trade, I was like, all right, this – 
on the one hand, it's it's bad that it happens. On the other hand, I also kind of want to give the Rangers a pass because this was going to happen eventually. You know, victim of the rebuild. You're going to have too many players to keep on your team. Yep. My my problem is not so much with Nils Lundqvist not being a Ranger in the future. My problem is that the Rangers failed to set expectations properly and and again have to deal with an unhappy young player that they drafted. Agreed. All right, Steven. So we talked about Niels for a bit. Let's get into now. Let's pivot from one defenseman to another because Keandre Miller is someone that I know that you're visibly, as I can see your excitement right now, show a smile, Steven, excited for what is destined to be a big year for Keandre. Now, when we were talking off air, you alluded to this potentially being his breakout year. I would argue that he's already broken out. So I'd like you to kind of expand further on what you meant by that exactly. Like, do you mean just another level in his game? If so, then I would agree with you. No, I think I think we've seen what Keandre Miller can do. But when I talk about this being his breakout year, it's about him doing it on a consistent basis. Okay. Because the start of the season, he wasn't really what we what we wanted out of yeah, him. Yeah, he was you know, he was two different players last yeah, season. He, he started off slow. Um around around the turn of the of the year, like like New Year's Eve, around that time, he really took that next step. And then after the all-star break, he was a different player. And even going into playoffs, this guy just if if he can build on this, then then we potentially have two defensemen getting top 10 in Norris voting. Um, and the same thing goes for Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl. What we saw in, in, in the playoffs out of those three makes me hopeful, but I'm a little, a little worried that we might not see that from day one when the puck drops on opening night. But if those three, together with Miller, can build on what, what they did in the playoffs – this team has a really good chance this upcoming season. But, yeah, Miller, I'm excited for. The guy, is just he really took a huge step. And 12 months ago, in preseason, he wasn't really that impressive, to be honest. I still believe that last year in preseason, Nils Lundqvist and Zach Jones played better than Keandre Miller. But Keandre Miller had his spot on the team already locked up. Um, but... Throughout the course of the season, he became better and better and better. He scored highlight real goals. He was the Rangers' he, best defenseman for a good he portion was of games. Down the stretch, I think the last two, three months of the season, he was easily our best defenseman because he started making defensive plays that I wanted him to make. It wasn't just the offense where he's flashy, it was playing the puck instead of the man when he needed to, and playing the man instead of the puck when he needed to. He he really made the right decision nine out of ten times and and that was very very good to see um and yeah i mean the sky's the limit for this kid i still want to see a miller fox pairing at some point me too me too and i I think that that will happen at some point throughout the year um just given the current circumstances of the defensive alignment and not that i hope for it but ryan lindgren getting hurt for at least a game those things tend to happen when the guy again gets beaten up the way that he does because he's just an absolute monster. So unless, unless of course Gallant puts uh, Libor Hayek on the top pair like he did last season. When oh God! Was- don't don't get me started. Stop it! Stop it! 
Keandre Miller. We really like the kid, and you should too, mm. in case Ranger fans. Hey, you know, the emergence of Keandre Miller is one of the reasons Jacob Trouba's captain. I'm sorry, repeat that? The the emergence of Keandre Miller is one of the products of what made Jacob Trouba captain. How so? Playing with Trouba every game. The emergence of Miller, I think Trouba had a very big, uh, big, big impact on that. Exactly. And it's crazy because when they first got paired, I didn't know how I felt about that pairing just from the initial jump, especially because Truba wasn't Truba like Keandre's had his inconsistencies since he's arrived with the Rangers. But you look at them there. Keandre has a speed between the two, but they're two big body defensemen. And normally when you see something like that, the initial belief is, okay, you want a bigger body, maybe a little bit slower, and you want a guy that's smaller and faster, has more offensive upside. But they've managed to gel and balance things to a higher degree than I ever could have imagined. And not even Trubo with his play alongside Miller, but I would argue even more is just the mentality. And, you know, Trubo's impact on this locker room that we talked about from our previous episode a couple of weeks ago that has been a heavy factor in making him captain. Just showing the leadership qualities, especially as a guy that, again, you are his line mate, that being with Miller, to know the point of direction and also have the trust in him when the time is right. I'm sure that the, to say these have been confidence boosters is the farthest, farthest thing from the truth. It's beyond that. So, yeah, I 100% agree. It's not just the play, but it really is also, I think, the character that Truba has brought in yeah. and out of the locker room paired yeah. with DeAndre for the past year. Plus. And- and you know it's 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 the stuff that okay we're we're drifting off a little bit here, but it's also the stuff that Truba did, like when they had a party to celebrate Adam Fox winning the Norris Trophy. Yeah, yep. he, he called the Hockey Hall of Fame to get the trophy, which is shipped awesome. to New York to be present at the party. After the loss in Game Four against the Penguins in Round One, the Rangers are down three-one. He calls a meeting, players only, no coaches, no one else, just the players. They go out for dinner, they talk. Hard words are spoken, but they come out as a team and they win three in a row to clinch the series in seven. That's the stuff a captain does. And Miller playing with Truba, yeah, I think Truba definitely had an impact on Miller's emergence. 100%. All right, Stephen, Keadri Miller. Now let's get into, let's talk about the guy that he spent his first year in the NHL with, living with, that is Alexi Lafreniere. And Stephen, Alexi. What is his next contract going to look like, you think? Because this guy, you know, in the same draft as him, Tim Schutzla, kind of a nice player for the Ottawa Senators, just signed a new long-term deal with Ottawa. And do you know the details on that deal, Stephen? Um, yeah, I think it's $8.5 million for eight years. Yeah, big, big Hello. contract for Schutzla. Yeah. So yeah. the question now lies, is this the type of base that we should evaluate a potential extension for Alexi Lafreniere, or do you think it's going to be much greater? I'm going to say no, because okay. the Rangers simply don't have the cap space to sign Lafreniere long-term. You know, the Rangers right now, to sign Lafreniere for eight years, you're probably looking at six to eight million, yeah, between six and seven million. I mean, Stutzler's numbers, like like raw numbers, are were better than Lafreniere. I know we've had the conversation about Lafreniere not getting power uh, power play time like Stutzla does, but when you look at raw production, Stutzla's numbers are better than Lafreniere. So if the Rangers were to sign him to an eight-year deal, you're probably looking at six to seven million. The Rangers simply cannot afford that. 
Stutzla, um, not to cut you off, and again, a, a greater opportunity in the regular season than Alexi Lafreniere, getting consistent minutes, both five-on-five on, five on special teams, notched 22 goals and 36 assists for 58 points in 79 games in his year 20 season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, go, um, going back to you. Yeah, and I think Lafreniere had 32 points. Yeah, right around there. Yeah. Um, I think I think Lafreniere is going to sign a bridge deal because they just don't have the cap space at the moment. That makes sense. Um, when I hear Ranger fans talk about trading for Patrick Kane, it's not going to happen simply because we don't have the cap space. Same thing with signing Lafreniere long term. They have to sign Miller. Heedle's probably a cap casualty in, in a year because at some point you're going to have to cut players because the big contracts you cannot move unless a player waves his no move clause. With Trubab named captain, that's out the window. I know we talked about that a couple of times as an option, but with Truba being captain, that's out the window. I don't think they're going to trade Kreider after he scored 52 goals in the season. Not not this year, at least. They, no. I could see them train him before his contract's over, yeah. but not um, Panarin has led the team in points three straight years. If you're going to trade him, do you know how that's going to negatively impact your team? Yeah. Um, We're still spoiled with Bredman now, too, that I can't imagine a world where we don't have him. Yeah. Uh, Zibanejad just signed an eight-year extension. His no-move clause doesn't end until the last week before the trade deadline in his final year. Which is kind of brutal. (laughs) Not going to lie. I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) They're not trading Shashjorgen. They're not trading Fox. They would have to trade Lindgren and Goudreau and replace them with cheap contracts to even remotely think about extending Lafreniere long-term. I know there's 3.4 million coming off the cap in penalties next year, but it's not going to be enough to sign him long-term. I don't think the Stutzler extension is in any way indicative of what Lafreniere is going to get simply because the contract will not at the same term. Don't be surprised if the Rangers start to do their best Vegas Golden Knights, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Maple Leafs impression by acquiring guys that are stuck on LTIR in years going forward to give them expanded if, cap. If, if, if the Rangers were on board with that plan, they would have done it a couple of years ago. Who knows? Who knows with this team? Maybe maybe they're going to be a late bloomer when it comes to something of that nature. Maybe, no. maybe they find themselves, not that I wish it, but find themselves in a desperate situation. And are like, okay, we kind of need this for this season at minimum. Let's do it. Let's take care of it. Okay, and then we will try to figure things out again come the offseason. Whatever that may be. I'm not talking about right now. I'm just saying in general. Because, again, mm-hmm. they to say that they have cap issues for the ensuing years, you know, is quite that's the understatement. That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> Literally. Um, but, Stephen, we do have some positive news uh, before we wrap up the show. So, break it down. What's the latest updates on the Rangers and the prospects, including the results that we all know by now? But I, I'd like to hear you expand a little bit further with Brennan Othman and the World Junior Championships. Yeah, Rangers have three players with a gold medal uh, coming into New York for preseason. Um World Juniors was an interesting one to watch for Ranger fans. You know, as oh, you I know, just we realized have... we might see Offman when we go to the preseason game. Ooh, that's ooh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. You're, re- you're ready? Like you're ready? I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had those three winning gold. Um we had Carlo Weissenden getting the silver medal uh with Team Finland. 
Uh, Jaroslav Kamenlart finished fourth with uh, the Czech Republic. Um, Brad Berard and Team USA lost in the quarterfinal, and uh, Adam Shakora and Slovakia lost in the group stage. Um, every player, every skater scored at least one goal. Um, and Dylan Garand got got his gold medal. Uh, Will Will Cooley got his gold medal in his in his in his last attempt. Um, Othman, uh, let's see, Othman, Weissenen, Shakora, uh, and Khmelars are eligible to go again to the World Juniors in December. Um, but yeah, most of these kids will be coming into New York for uh, for preseason. Not Barad and Khmelars because they're in college. Um, but um, I, I expect Shakora to be uh, flying to New York soon. He's currently in Slovakia. Um, Adam Edstrom is playing for Rogle in Sweden. He'll be flying in for preseason. Um, if they cannot make the team, they have to go back to their team in Europe. Uh, it's part of the transfer agreement. Players that have not turned 22 years old yet and were drafted outside the first round and under contract with their team in Europe have to go back to their team in Europe uh, if they cannot make the NHL team. Okay. Um, I think over the last 10 years, there's only been one European player that has played in the AHL uh, before turning 22, uh, while, uh, like in his first year of his ELC. Uh, and that's Oliver Shillington of the Calgary Flames. And I think that's because he was no longer under contract with his team in Sweden when he was drafted. Uh, but Shakora and Edstrom are, so they will be going back to Europe, to Europe, assuming they don't make the team. Um, but I think the other guys, like Othman and Cooley, are going to have at least a shot to uh, to 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 make the team. They're going to make some noise in preseason. Dylan Garand, uh, could we could see him in Hartford for, uh, full time? Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what's going to happen in uh, in preseason. We have Bobby Trevino. Who's 23 years old? Bobby T. Uh, same age as Zuccarello when he um, uh, when he came over, when he signed his uh, uh, when he signed his contract with the Rangers in 2010. And and Bobby's another sh- short schmuck. I'm pretty sure, right? Bobby. Yeah, I think I think he's five six, five seven. Yeah. Per per per. How fitting is that? What are the odds? <laughs> From yeah, one short yeah. schmuck to another. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. Um, Carl Henriksen will be in Hartford uh, this upcoming season. He's got he's got a big year on his hands because yeah. he's been well, he's he had was, an under underwhelming start to his like SHL career. Well, yeah, and he was forced to go back to Sweden because of the same rule that applies to Edstrom and Shakora now. Yes. Uh, but in the second year of your ELC, you are eligible to go to the minors in North America. So he'll be in Hartford. We have Laurie Pagliuniemi coming back for a season. We have Zach Jones and I don't know, maybe Neil Slunquist fighting for a spot in preseason because, you know, yes, the report is that he's not going to be there, but we'll see. Uh, maybe he's traded. Maybe they can patch things up. Who knows? Um, Jesse, Jesse Pogliarvi is still in Edmonton after everything that happened with him. So if I if, love if, me some Jesse Pogliarvi. If, if that free- relationship can be fixed, anything is possible. That's true. And that's going to be a big task for Vitaly Kratsov. Yeah, speaking of Vitaly as well, uh, I shouldn't say that. Leah Sanderson was the one that almost got dealt for Yessi a couple of years ago. But um, Vitaly's that big one. Had a sneeze. Sorry. 
Um, Vitali's the one that I'm probably most interested this year, just to see again, one, how does he perform in preseason Two, what is his mentality going to be And three, how much of a leash do the Rangers give him? Or is this something where they're still kind of set in stone on the notion of let's build up his trade value, get him some experience this year. If he plays well, great. We're still going to trade him. Or can they actually, if the Rangers can prove to fix things with Vitali, then that is a sign of good things to come with this team and this development staff that, again, has been rather lackluster in their consistency. And then, of course, there is the return. Um, I want to say Return of the King because it's a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. And this is this, this player is a little, you know, a little pest. Jimmy Vesey. Yes, he signed a PTO with the Rangers. And he's going to look the exact same that he did when the Rangers signed him years ago. He still looks like... He still same, looks 14. Yeah, he still looks 14 when he's, like, pushing 30 now. Like, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, uh, I'm fine with the depth. I mean, even if Jimmy's just... If they sign him and he stays in Hartford, I don't mm. care. Like, whatever. Do you remember the last player that, that came in on a PTO that actually made noise and... and had an impact on the Rangers for more than one year. Ooh, more than one year? Why? Are you thinking about one specific player right now? No, but I'm talking about a player that came in on a PTO and then signed a contract and actually had an impact. No, I don't think so. I, I don't know why. He didn't have really an impact because he was dealing with um some uh, drug issues. There's actually two guys. It was Ryan Malone and it was Arnett. Um, yeah, I wouldn't really count those. It's probably Anton Strawman in 2011. Yeah, that's a good call. Strawman was a beast. Yeah, Strawman was released from his PTO with, I think, the Devils. And then he came in that's on PTO. right. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right there. Yep, I remember yeah. that. That was and like the got- first, that was the start of my Rangers fandom. So I, I recall this. And he started with uh, with number 32. Yes, he did. And, and the most the most memorable and thing Anton Strawman did in a Rangers jersey was that hip check on the Flyers, of where course, of course. the guy went into the bench. Beautiful, beautiful hip check. He that um, wasn't the only time. No, that wasn't even that though. He he's laid out some guys right in the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. Were, I'm almost certain he did that in the Kings series too in the Stanley Cup. Probably. Like, yeah, I, I I recall there was like one big one, just like <laughs> dead center. I was like, oh, okay, Antoine, yeah. I see you. Um, but Steven, speaking of the number 32, let's talk about the number 64. And that is the episode of today's podcast. No, we're not talking about Niels here. Cause that was just, you know, his preseason number. I don't think that was his, his, he was, what was he? 20, what? 27. Yeah. He was 27 when he actually played, yeah. but he had, he had 27 in New York number 13 in Hartford. So Rangers 64 history. How many players do you think were that number? Uh, well, I know there's only one. Okay. Then I'm pretty sure we're on the same wavelength then. Because I was kind of hoping that Lundqvist would have stuck with number 64 because he would have been the first player to do so. But a couple months later. Yeah. And so- also, it would have been a great a great nickname because he would have been N64. Oh, my God. It- yeah, it would have been. Nils Tendo, but unfortunately, he looks better in sixty-four than twenty-seven. I feel like, yeah. But okay, so you know where we're going with this. Who's the only player to wear number sixty-four for the Rangers? Then the player who's still out there on the market that I, that we we've wanted back probably more than any other trade acquisition, which is insane to say, but it's true. 
and that is Mr. Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott, if you're watching, if you're listening, I saw you practicing your Rangers gear recently. Please come back. Please just take this shittiest contract known to man, so we can we so we can return Please. you. We beg. I, we I know we can. He, he would lot. do wonders for this team if they can yeah. get him back. I know we complain a lot, but we really want you back. And here's the thing: like, how is he still out there? Because he he wants more than what teams can afford. Drop it down, baby. Come back. There's let, there, let there's a team back. out there that's going to sign him for more than the Rangers can afford but less than what he's asking for now. There's probably going to be a team out there that, that's clearing some some money somehow in the weeks leading up to opening night. Uh, I think I think Tyler Mott's going to sign in the next two weeks. Why do we have to even, like, just signing Libor Hayek made this even that much more unrealis- unrealistic. That's the frustrating thing. Well, I don't think signing Libor Hayek impacts it because – any player that signs for under 1.1 million doesn't really block a player like Mott from signing. Because if you don't sign Hayek, you're going to have to replace him with another player anyway. Okay. You know, Yeah. if, if you would replace Ryan Reeves with a guy that makes 800K, then you might be able to sign Tyler Mott. And look, I love Revo, but if he needs to like... Revo is someone that I really do enjoy on this team, not just for his locker room presence, but one, he shows more offensive upside that I feel the Rangers have ever gone in recent years from a guy that's playing his role. And two, he's known to be that enforcer, yet I struggle to see him enforce as much as he probably should have mm-hmm. this past season. Is that outlandish for me to say? I think with I think with Reeves, the impact is not so much him fighting it's he's sort of a deterrent on the ice you know he's like an insurance policy yeah him being out there probably stops other players it's like the warning it's you know what's going to happen yeah if that makes sense exactly um but yeah you know it's uh yeah I don't, okay. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what to feel about Reeves. I, I'm not sure he's going to have the impact this season that he had last season. Um, well, anyway, I can only hope. So now that we get to like the higher numbers, right? With 60, yeah, we're in the 60s now. I'm going to start mentioning players that wore a number in either Traverse City or Prospect Camp at some okay. point because we won't have certain numbers. Number 64, but for instance, David Skokan, Dwight Helminen, and Roman Horek. I don't, know, I don't know who any of those guys are. But they all wore number 64 in the Traverse City Tournament at some stage for the Rangers. Okay. All right. Like Artem Anisimov wearing number 55. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Allowed me some Mr. Sniper Anisimov. He was a beast. Yeah. But the only the only number that I still have not been able to find worn by anyone else is 68. Like I'm sorry, literally the only player or uh, sorry, Yarmer Yager, literally the only player to ever wear 68 for the Rangers in any capacity, even preseason as as it should be, regardless of the fact that Yager was here for a fun time and not a long time. That's a number that I don't want to see any Ranger rep again. Personally. Should the Rangers retire number 68? <sighs> no, I would probably say no, just because of how short of a tenure it was. 
However, it's there's no denying his impact. I mean, I mean he was what what he what he did in that span was just again, Panarin is is performing at that Yager-esque level, but they're anomalies. These things don't come every day. Yager was such a treat when he was in New York, and it was a damn shame that he parted to the KHL the way that he did because you know he was with the Rangers, you know, when they weren't good teams yet. I can only imagine what it would have been if Yager stayed as the Rangers hopefully were going to build more around him as we got into, you know, the late 2000s, getting to the 2010s. Because then when Yager returned first year, he went to Philly. We beat him up in the Winter Classic, that whole story, you know, the whole nine yards. Yager still owns the single season records for goals and points. That's crazy. So... All yeah, right, I don't think I, I don't think we should retire 68, but it's a conversation we can have at some it's an, point. It's an I think it's an honorable mention at this yeah. juncture. Yeah. But before we get out of here, New York State Mai with another twenty dollar donation. Thank you so much for that on YouTube. Greatly appreciate you, my friend, and I greatly appreciate everyone that chimed in to this well, episode sixty four. You know what Rangers that means, right, Tyler? You know what, what does that, that mean? Well, two twenty dollar donations means you're buying beers at the garden. I'm not gaining these for a month now, but sure. That's how YouTube works. They're going to cut 30% as well, those schmucks. They tax you, and they don't pay you until the end of the month. Next month. It sucks. But, yes. Beers at the – no, no. Beer. Beer at one the garden. Beer, one beer. One, one beer. beer. Jesus. Yeah. How much you want to take from my bank account? <laughs> it's MSG. <laughs> I wasn't even there last year. I'm sure it's only gotten worse. I haven't been there in, like, two years. So. I, look, I, last time I was at the garden was in March. It was the Rangers-Ducks game. Um, I would like to actually call this out. I, I, I cannot remember the name of the guy. I don't think he even gave me a name. But he asked me if I wanted – he wanted to buy me a beer. And then he bought me and my fiance a beer at the Garden. The guy spent like $40. Yeah. People have done – every time I go to Mets games, people always hit me up and say, hey, it's, like I wanted me up and give you – they're so generous. I mean – it's Sweet great, thing. you know. Very thankful for when it happens, and and I really wish the guy would have would have stuck around so I could catch his name. If you're listening, wherever you are, thank you. And if I see you again, I'll repay the favor. It's uh, it's always nice to go to the garden and and you know having a chat with people. Absolutely, and, and that's going to be exciting once we go. But Stephen, any final remarks before we wrap things up? Um, yeah, if anyone's going to Rangers preseason, I'll probably be wearing one of those jerseys, the Shakora and Offen ones. There you go. All right, guys. Thank you so much for oh, watching and listening you know, wherever you get your podcast. Episode 64 Rangers Review, myself, Wardy. That's that boy, Steven. And we'll catch you guys, you know, again, whenever the timing's right, because when we're in the off season still, things are not set. But soon, sooner rather than later, we'll get more consistent episodes for you guys. Thank you so much and have a good rest of your day. Peace out.